Welcome to The Magic of Compassion. I'm Little Wu, and this week's question is, what's the deal with procrastination? And uh, this person expands, when things seem to be big or really matter that are coming up in the future, or that I should be working on or preparing for, I have the most resistance and lack of energy. So hard to break out of, get focused, clear and energized, and just get her done. Why? Thank you so much for that question. Uh, yes, procrastination. It's uh, something that all of us humans have experienced either in a certain era of our life or for the whole course of our life. Uh, it's very uh, the predominant in you know academic circles and people joke about procrastinating on their papers. And so this, this habit, um, so it's defined by Wikipedia as the habitual or intentional delay of starting or finishing a task despite its negative consequences. So then, you know, this is the idea of that this is actually something that's going to cause you pain later on by delaying it, but we still do it. Why do we do that? It doesn't seem to make sense that we would delay the inevitable or delay something that we need to do or want to do. And so this is a, this kind of procrastination is something like an internal game that we play. And there's a purpose behind it. We're not just crazy. There's a, a reason why we procrastinate. And so it helps to dive a little bit into that. And it's a really big topic, of course. But I'm just going to take three things to focus on today as to just you know, looking into why we procrastinate and seeing if understanding it can maybe help you um, maybe move through this a little bit more because clarity can help you make different choices. So, the, of course, one of the reasons that we procrastinate is because we are fearing a negative outcome even if we do the thing. So there's this vision that's already in our minds of the hardness of it all or or the you know the difficulties we're going to deal with or the the possible failures we're going to meet even if we do all the hard work and even if we do all the tasks that are needed for this bigger goal. And so it's really this projection of future failure that makes us demotivated to actually do the less pleasant tasks that lead up to that big goal. So that's sometimes a reason why we might be procrastinating because we've actually already envisioned uh, a negative outcome of our goal. So then we feel like, what's the point? Why do I you know, even want to do all this work? Why do I want to work on this essay? Or why do I want to shoot this film? And Because no one's going to come to see the film and it's going to be really hard to distribute. And There's all these things sometimes we think of or we project that people won't like our work or we won't be recognized. So there's all these projections. So take a look and see, is there a projection somewhere in this timeline that's in your head? Because you might not even see that projection because it's so further along in the timeline that you're only seeing the immediate lack of motivation, but there's actually a reason why you're lacking motivation. And so that's one. And of course, the more that we don't do something, the more anxiety and stress it causes. And then that creates secondary reasons why we procrastinate because now we're trying to avoid stress and we're trying to avoid the anxiety, but it just keeps from uh, creating more of it, the more we procrastinate. So then we're just in this bundle of stress and we just keep going back and forth of, oh, I'm really stressed out. Oh, I don't want to do it. So it's the avoidance of this discomfort that creates more and more of the same. So that's kind of all part of that fear of something unpleasant or negative or failure at the end of the line. The other reason 
that we might procrastinate is that we actually lack a higher purpose or meaning for this thing that we are either asked to do or expected to do or we've asked ourselves to do. And that can be another reason why we just don't find ourselves motivated or wanting to do the, the tasks that are laid out before us or have time deadlines. So those kinds of um, existential concerns like, well, why am I doing this anyway? Or why is this important anyway? Uh, makes me think of, you know, the, the everyday things that people avoid, like taking out the trash or cleaning up, or it's like, oh, it's not that important. Or, or maybe if you find it hard to get your teenager to do something, maybe it's because they don't see the higher purpose. It doesn't seem important to them compared to what they're thinking about in their heads and what they're dealing with in, in their teenage um, life. So you might not be privy to all the stuff that's going on for them. And so for you, you're like, hey, can you just please remember to do this? And they just seem to be lacking constantly in motivation around that. But there's actually a lot of stuff that's going on boiling inside them. And for the, for them, this seems to really have no real importance. So it's a, it's a lack of meaning or purpose sometimes that causes that because we don't know what else is going on for us. Or maybe at this point, there's a lack of inspiration. So looking at it from that point of view, I would say, what is something that is really important to you in this task? Like, what is that timeline going down into the future? Why is this important? Is, it, is there something that you're seeking in the long term? And this is when we think about our future self and get really used to developing a love and a care for our future self. And there's been studies that show that people who develop the skill of thinking of their future self helps them to make better decisions in the immediacy. So that impulsive nature that we have to just avoid present pain or discomfort and then deal with consequences later, or that impulsiveness of just not wanting to deal with uncomfortableness or discomfort, then that, when we think of the discomfort of our future self, that becomes real enough that we're like, ooh, I, I, don't, I don't want to put my future self in that position. And so that creating a relationship with your future self can really help you um, in also creating a, a deeper meaning of why you're doing this. Why would you take the time to do the mundane? Why would you take the time to do what is hard or difficult? It's because you have a higher goal than just the task. So that higher goal can sometimes be so inspiring or motivating that we go, you know what, I'll go do the thing. I'll go do this task, um, you know, because that the reward is so important, the, the higher task, the higher goal, and the higher purpose. And sometimes it's for ethical reasons why we do something. Because when we say we're gonna do something, and we, send, we deal with the discomfort, we're so locked into our feelings of that, we forget that there's a higher feeling is that we have been trusted with something, that we have been given responsibility, and that, that there's a higher purpose in honoring um, that agreement. And so if agreements become really important to you, and then you can learn all the secondary skills that come with that, like time management and, and knowing how to prioritize your tasks so that you do what's the most urgent first. Those are things you can learn, but you have to have the higher motivation to learn and practice and refine your practices. Now the third kind of topic of why we might have this strange habit of procrastination, even if it's to our downfall, is that we have developed a very um, unpleasant relationship with our inner coach. And that's that voice in our head 
that is trying to talk with us all the time. It's no, 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 that's always talking with us or at us. And it might be mimicking a voice from our childhood. It could be mimicking the voice of a parent, or it could be mimicking a voice of a friend or a teacher, and it might not be a pleasant voice. And that unpleasant voice is what you're actually trying to avoid. It's like, oh, just shut up, stop it, stop be coming at me. And so there's this part of you that might go, I just, I just don't feel motivated by this voice or what it says to me. And so that's when you might want to upgrade your inner voice, upgrade the software or the, the coach that's been installed inside your head and find a different way of relating so that you have a coach that I, I actually motivates you in an inspirational way rather than um, punishing or through um, retribution or, or through a negative um, like fear-based talk. So there's all these kinds of ways in which you can learn to change the voice in your head so that you have a pleasant relationship, an inspiring relationship with your inner coach. And then that is something that will change how you set out on a task because you suddenly have this voice that's really fun to be with, that's really inspiring to hear from. And that's the voice, that's one of the things that I used to change the voice in my head from being critical, from being fear-based, to being very enthusiastic and say, hey, I know you can do this. Come on, let's go, let's go. And it's got that, ooh, that feeling. No, let's go, let's do this. You know, and it's, it's fun, it's light, it's joyful. That's the energy that you can start bringing in into that, that coach, that voice. And so the overall theme I'm going to share is that you can develop a deeper care for your future self and say, hi, future self. I, I know you're going to be here <laughs> in, a, in a day or two and you're going to have to deal with the outcome of what I've chosen not to do right now. And so you can say, hi, future self. I want to really be kind to you. And so what is it that I need to do right now that will make your life more pleasant? And so having that kind of playful relationship with your future self would be helpful. And then to create a new relationship, not only with the voice in your head, that inner coach, but with the thing itself. So developing that higher purpose and meaning and developing a different kind of an association of energy. So instead of being, ah, oh, I gotta do this thing, it's so heavy, oh, I don't wanna do this thing, ah, that feeling to go, hmm, I'm gonna go do this thing and just do, 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 do. And even like these little do, 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 that kind of energy, if you can bring that in, I know it sounds kind of silly, but you have to be more playful with it. That's really what I'm getting at, is that it's been heavy, it's been serious, it's been really like you're being flogged or beaten to do the task, you know, either through words or through other types of self-punishment. But instead, you can reassociate that, reframe what you want, say, I actually really want this thing. And, and if you keep focused on what you really want and not on, oh, the doing of the thing you don't want, but say, uh, what is the thing that I really want that would hurt me to not have or to miss out on or to have denied myself? And that drives you to towards it rather than all the things you have to do to get there. And so a very, very simple thing that you can do to get there is not only changing the associations, but to take bite-sized pieces and to turn them into tiny steps so that you can have tiny victories. And this is something that is really, um, you know, kind of going against that idea of projection of big failure at the end or projection of negative outcome and saying, you know what, I'm going to focus not on that. I'm going to focus on the outcome that I want, 
Plus, I'm going to take little tiny steps so they can have tiny victories each day and enjoy this feeling of I'm getting somewhere, even if it's just a little step. And we sometimes are taught so often that you have to take big steps and you got to think big and you got to do everything big. And really, to get anywhere big, you have to take the little steps and those everyday, ordinary, mundane moments where we're just taking the little steps and then squeezing the victory out of those little steps and squeezing the joy out of doing this oh, and bringing more and more joy and play into the things that we need to do, turning them into meditations, turning them into me time, turning them into things that you want to learn how to enjoy. And so I'll give you a, an example or two. Um, one is that um, when I used to be in university and I had this thing where I noticed, okay, I was wait to last minute. And to me, it felt like, yeah, I'm procrastinating. But then I discovered a different relationship with that process where I realized that I'm very good at compressing a lot of focus into a day or a night, and that I, I create my best work when I'm able to have everything all together really compressed, where I'm like, okay, I've got everything in front of me, I have all of it retained in my mind, and I'm going to punch this out, and I love that process, and I set my space up, and I got into the mindset, I'm enjoying this, so it no longer became this idea that I was procrastinating, but that I'm working with my strengths, that I like a deadline, that I like having that kind of fire behind me, and I like pushing through and writing with everything that I have in mind all at once rather than spread out over weeks and weeks where I get you know just a little bit here a little bit there that doesn't work so much for me for writing or for certain types of um, creative processes so I discovered what worked for me and then I turned it into a joyful experience rather than beat myself up for being different or doing it differently than others and then there's some things that require more time that you can't compress in one day. That's the time management part that comes in later when you learn, oh, you know what? There are some projects that I'm going to need two weeks to do in a compressed state where I'm working every day for 10 hours a day compressed. That's okay, but I'm going to have to start it more than the night before. So those are the time management, management things that I learned over time. Something that you've been wanting to do if you can kind of make a little playful uh, game around it and you set things up so that you have little rewards and playfulness and moments of joy then it can turn into something fun like uh, for example if you need to do some writing and you've been associating with this kind of dry solitary kind of boring task instead you can set up a space like maybe go work outdoors or bring your laptop to the park or do some things to make that experience more pleasant and pleasing and so that's something that takes some creativity and takes some experimentation. I hope that you've gotten some kind of spark of in inspiration or motivation from some of the things that I've said today. It's a wonderful topic and definitely we can explore more deeply. Um, I also work with people on developing that higher purpose and in inner compass that guides you and motivates you so that you can focus on doing the things you want to do in this life. Thank you so much for joining me and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. If you're curious about my one-on-one -on -one sessions, workshops, or online classes, visit littlewood.org. Lots of love.